paper. Hope everybody's having a nice Saturday. I was working, so if you chatted in today, I hope it went well. Although I can't think of any friends that I chatted with today, so maybe next time learn about all kinds of things. Every time I log in to chat online I, and, and help somebody with something, I always figure learn something that I just never knew about because Rubzilla has like thousand parts, I mean millions of parts that I'll never even know about until someone's like, does this weird, does this part work with this and for that? And I, I'm half the time, I'm just trying to understand like what are they talking about? Hi Kyle, I'm just trying to like you know, understand like what are they referring to and then try to comprehend in my brain, okay, what part of the bike and like what's happening right now. It's like one of the most challenging things I've ever, I'd say I've ever done at Revzilla is helping with parts because it's just never been my thing. It's never been, <laughs> it's never been my strong suit. I mean, I, I know my way around the things that I've used on my motorcycle, but you know, if you come to me and ask me, well, how do I know what brake pads I need? Then... I freeze a little bit, but now I've learned some things so I can at least figure out some very basic things for your motorcycle depending on what you got. It's feel it feel very accomplished. I feel like I I actually can do a little bit more than I'm capable of doing. All right, so tonight my topic is how to evaluate motorcycle gear. And there's a few different things that I kind of wanted to talk about in this. Um and it's a little bit of everything from like, you know, you get on the Revzilla. So if you're on your computer right now, of course, or your phone, whatever, pull up Revzilla's website. And I'm going to uh, put in the search box, I'm going to look at this jacket. Um, this woman's jacket, the Andes Tech Air. So this is actually a really new thing this year from Alpine Stars is the Tech Air Vest integrations for women's too because when they first launched it they didn't launch any women's product and then they waited like a year or a season and then they launched all the new ladies tech air stuff so i'm looking at this jacket and um it's the alpine stars andy's pro dry star jacket and you can look at the men's one if you're a guy you can look at the men's one it doesn't matter um the tech air jacket is the same for men and women no matter what you're looking at so let's say you're shopping, right? And you're looking at this jacket. You're like, well, do I want, do I need this? Do I want this? How do I, you know, what am I, what am I looking at? Especially if pretend that you don't know anything about uh, Alpine Stars or pretend that you know nothing about gear, right? You're just like, I don't know anything about tech. I don't even know what tech air is. So of course, you know, reading the um, technical descriptions, of course, that tells you, oh, it's an airbag compatible jacket. I got to buy this airbag vest. Okay. Those kinds of things will always be um, available to you in the descriptions as far as specifically what features does it offer, Okay, it has these, you know, it has this vent here. It has this adjuster. Okay, the one thing that you may not be able to kind of glean from that is, is it something that's good for you? So let's just say, for example, let's make up a scenario. Um, Kyle's a good example. Kyle's here. So let's talk about Kyle. <laughs> Kyle is in Minnesota and he rides a cruiser. If I remember, a big V-Star or a Vulcan. And um, he's touring, so he might be looking for a jacket where he just wants it to work in like the most miserable Minnesota winter riding temperatures that he can think of. So Kyle's like, I'm cold. I need a really, really warm jacket. And I don't have any concerns about warm weather at all. I just need to make sure I'm as warm as I can be in chilly temperatures in, in Minnesota. Now we're not talking like out in a blizzard, but you know, like maybe in the morning time or something and it's winter, it's like forties or something and he's going to go to work and he basically needs a bomb proof, fully waterproof jacket. Maybe, maybe, I mean, I would say generally the warmest jackets are going to be waterproof. So if we look at the, um, like the tech care, for example, we see that it has some vents on it 
And in the description, it's going to say, well, I've got ventilation. So there's these big panels on the chest and they look like big windows, but they're big panels that open. And then that's where you get all this airflow if you need it for some reason. And like on the back of the jacket, there's the two, there's two vertical um, uh, vents. They're next to the shoulders. See how the shoulders have little stretchies on it, which is actually amazing. Um, that tells you there's only two places Okay, so when you look at a jacket and you see like, where is the venting? Is there any venting? You want to count. So on the front, we count one, two places, right? Two chest pe- two chest rectangles. And I don't see any, I'm trying to remember this jacket. It's been a while since I've had my hands on it. But I don't believe there's any sleeve. Oh, I take that back, right? This one has um, sleeve vents, yeah, from the wrist, like if you zoom in on the jacket, there's like a vent. I believe it's a vent from the um, wrist up up to here. And that would be two more. So one, two, three, four vent places. And then we look at the back jacket. Okay, there's uh, two vent places. So that's a total of six places where ventilation can come in. So that tells you that, okay, there's these spots where I can get air. That tells you that you could probably use that in times where you need some airflow. And the more number, the higher number of vet points tells you, oh, that could work really well for me in the warmer season. So the, so the higher the number of ventilation points, then the higher the possibility that you could use that outside of a Minnesota winter. Now for Kyle, let's go back to Kyle. Let's say he's, he's like, I don't care about these vents. I just, I don't want any places where air could possibly come through. Well, that could be, I would say, I wouldn't rate that jacket necessarily as the warmest jacket um, available to him because there's six places where vent could come in. But depending on the jacket, like, you know, when you when you hit some of the higher price points, sometimes they'll seal the zippers, like a nice rubber um, seal. And then, then you know at least, okay, wind's not going to come through there. It's one, it's not going to be as vulnerable. But, you know, let's just say, for example, you're looking at a jacket that's like $200 and it's not going to have all the high tech in it. And then it's probably going to have zippers and vents where, oh, hi, Lois. It might have places where it leaves you vulnerable to wind coming in. That can tell you this may not be the warmest thing for me because I'm desperately trying to stay warm. You know, Kyle's cold. It's 40 degrees in the morning and he doesn't want places where wind can maybe come in. He wants like a rock solid plain shell. So counting the vent places, that right there will tell you how um, versatile it is. Um, the other thing you can tell with this is it has these Velcro adjusters on the um, on your big biceps and your forearms. Well, that tells you that, okay, I can adjust things. It probably tells you that there's a liner in there because whenever you have liners, you have to. I mean, it's like a must. If you have a liner in there, you need to have adjustment points for your sleeves and the arms so that if somebody... Um, decides they want to take the liner out, well, they have to make the fit work again, right? Because we all know that when your liners go in and out, then your sizing changes. So that tells you, oh, there's a liner in there. Actually, that might keep me decently warm. Maybe in Minnesota when it's 45 degrees in the morning, that might work for me. The other thing that tells you that it's really great and might be better in the colder weather is see how the collar too is a little bit, it's not like crazy high, but it's not flat. So we know that if the collars are higher, it's going to be designed in some capacity for some kind of colder weather. So low low collars, warm and nice weather. A high, high collar, so pr- very likely it's designed to work better. It's, it's going to be more helpful to you because, you know, when it's really cold out, like you want to block access to, to your neck. I mean, like all the warmth that just leaves your body when your neck and your chest is cold, right? All that core, you got to keep it toasty there. So high collar, that's a really good sign that Kyle's going to be pretty warm. And then on the back, that's a really nice tell too. There's only those two vertical slits. And I always say that vertical ventilation is fine, but it's nothing compared to big mesh panels, right? When it's really hot, like say it's 95 degrees. Um, oh, sorry. Let me uh, mention, thank you, Vicki. The jacket I'm looking at and I'm evaluating is the Alpine Stars Stella Andes Pro 
or the men's Alpine Stars Andes Pro Dry Star for Tech Air. So if you put in Andes, like the mountain, and then Tech Air, you will get the men's and women's versions, and they're basically identical. Um, so that tells you, you know, those back vents tell you there's not a lot of air that's going to come, you know, get out of there. It's not like it's going to be this huge relief, like ginormous, you know, wind tunnel of air, but it's going to do a decent job to keep you comfortable. Um, just so you know, this particular jacket is supposed to work in many different seasons. So it's designed for somebody who's looking for something that can possibly work from the bottom to the top from like 40 degrees, 50, all the way up to 100. But you wouldn't buy it as a summer coat. You would just be like, oh, I need something because I'm going to ride from here to um, maybe Minnesota to Florida and I need something that can like pop up and down and maybe do warm weather for an afternoon and then cold weather at night. And because it has these panels and the zipper vents and and it has the higher collars, it can like, you know, walk back and forth uh, between the lines, between the temperatures. The other thing I want you to notice on the back of this jacket, especially the shoulders, is those accordion, those like wonderful, that's like one of my favorite features on riding jackets. When I see that, I just know that more people will fit this jacket and the comfort's going to be there. So on the back of the jacket, on the shoulder, you can see there's a nice stretchy panel. And anytime you find a jacket with a nice stretchy panel behind your shoulders, like right back, you know, if you hug yourself, like right there, those shoulders right there. For me, it's a problem. I, I'm smaller, but in my um, for my proportions, my shoulders are broader and I always have to size up to get my shoulders to work in there. And whenever there's stretch like that, it's just great. Like, great job, Alpine Stars. Anytime there's stretch, you know more people can fit your stuff. So that's like just a few kind of general things that you can look at when you're evaluating. So here, let's look at something that's totally opposite so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, here, I'm going to put in for the Ruka, and it's called the, um, I'll, put in the, I'll put in the men's version. It's called the ELAS, so it's E-L-A-S, E-L-A-S, and that's Ruka. And Ruka is considered a very toasty jacket. This one isn't, I would say this isn't their beefiest one, but it's pretty toasty. Um, If we, if we look at this one, this is a men's Ruka. If we look at the front of the jacket, there are no vents to be seen anywhere. Like I can't even count any because I don't see any, but because I know this jacket, I can tell you that there are two along the sides of the jacket from the armpit down to down the waist to like the hip bone. There's actually two side vents, but that's it. So that's only two places. And so knowing that there's only two spots for air to come in, that's not something you'll really want in July in Minnesota, right? Where it's like, or not something you want to wear when it's that warm. So if you buy a jacket like this, you can just tell that like, I'm going to be miserable. Once the uh, humidity kicks in, once it's like 75 and 80, maybe humid, then you're going to be miserable because there's only two side vents on the side of your rib cage and that's it. So just the fact that there's only two and it comes with that huge neck warmer, that bright yellow neck warmer, that's another big sign that, wow, this is probably not what I want to wear when I start to get hot and sweaty and I'm going to want to put that away in my winter gearbox and I'm going to bring out my summer thing, right? So that would be the total opposite of what we just looked at. Um, because when you, you know, when you look at it, there's just no vent points. You can't count. You can barely see. That's the other thing too, is you can, you can't even see the two vents that it has. It's not like on the chest. It's not like right up front front and center where you can see it, it's like on the side and it's hiding. That tells you how much airflow that's going to give you. Not a lot. It's just going to open up the windows a little bit. It's like opening the windows like maybe six inches to get a little bit of a breeze, but you're not getting this massive like tornado of, of airflow. So that's a couple of uh, winter things there. Um, let's move on to gloves. So let's look at some gloves. Um, I'll give another one that comes in men's and women's. It's called the SMX, so South uh, Mary X-Ray-1. Okay, just type that in. 
you'll see gloves and shoes with the SMX1, but the ones I'm looking at are SMX1 Air, and it's V2. SMX1 Air, that means version 2 because Alpine Stars is exciting about their naming convention. So the SMX1 Air glove is just the V2, the second version of it, instead of the SMX4 Air. You know. So let's look at this. And it's, again, very similar for the men's and women's. Um, here, I will pull up the ladies one. Sometimes there's slight variations, but these gloves, I'm pretty certain, have pretty much the same layout and and um, features like the Andes. Okay, so let's look at this. So if I'm looking at us, I'm looking at gloves, and um, again, I don't know what I don't know what SMX One Air. I don't know what that is. I don't even know what Alpine Stars who they are. I don't even know how to pronounce it. By the way, it's not Alpine Stars. It's Alpine Stars. <laughs> Um, so if we look at this glove, we can see all these places where there's mesh. Everyone knows what mesh is, right? It's like, you know, fabric like this, and then it's really light and air is just blowing through it. So when you're looking at a glove and you're wondering, well, how, how much can I wear this? Like, when would I wear this? You want to look at the fabrics. So a big, strong, and I picked this glove because it's got such an obvious uh, summer um, lean to it. It's got mesh covering the fingers, like right here is mesh, um, up here it's mesh, and then look at there's where there isn't mesh on the top, where there's leather, there's still holes. So you still have a bunch of holes everywhere on top, um, so there's not a lot of leather and there's not a lot of solid fabrics. All the fabrics there have holes in them. So when you see all these holes, you know the more holes you see, the more mesh you see, it's going to be specifically for summer riding. And Oh, thanks, Sarah. That's so nice of you. Um, she said, my voice is soothing. It's so nice. Um, so you can tell just by that alone that, oh, this is not going to be great in 40 degree Minnesota morning. Un unless, I mean, the exceptions there are you run really warm. So yes, I could see this working. Um, oh, that's a really good question. So uh, Ducatista asks me if I can show photos of what I'm talking about or if I can show examples. Okay, I actually grabbed some older gloves that I have. Let's do this. Thank you for the suggestion. So I actually grabbed some of my husband's old summer gloves. They've been worn to the limit. So if you look at his summer gloves, and these are actually kind of a big brother to the SMX gloves I just showed you. They're called the GPRs. And um, these have all this, see here, this fabric. And then look at these big windows here. So big windows, big vents. And again, you could probably count the ventilation points. Like if I have this glove on, oh my God, and I'm looking in the glove right now and I can see through this fabric. So it's like a see-through mesh. So one, two, um, oh, and then between the fingers, there's like spandex. It's not even, it's so light. Three, four, five. That's five points right there. Um, I say, I guess I'd count this as a, as its own point. And then between the fingers, oh yeah, we checked for holes. These are so beat up. I can barely see. Instead of holes, this has spandex. So that's a bad sign too, because that means these are going to give so much airflow, which is great in the summertime. Um, and then, oh, here, look at the thumb here too. There's like more mesh. So there's just a lot of places where air can come and make you cold. Um, if we look at the hands, these are kind of, it's hard to see this, but there's a lot of fake leather. There's, this isn't fake. This is fake. It's like a, might be Clarino, I'm not sure, but it's basically a synthetic and it's what you really find on like dirt bike gloves. So these have just, they have the palm slider, which is good. But when you're looking at a glove and you're wondering how much protection am I really going to get? Look at the palms. That's like your first place to check. What what's there if I do this, you know, put my hand, put my palms out, sorry. Um, what's what's gonna be there for me? 
is it anything? Okay, a slider is going to be there. And then what's up here? This is fake leather. I don't even know if I can call it leather. And it's sewn over this seam on the outside, which is good. You want some cover. You want to make sure that this flap, this seam here is covered by something. And this one is. Even though it's synthetic, it's better than not being covered at all. So you know that if a glove isn't, it better have a really good stitching on the inside to keep the seam from blowing. Um, but the fact that this glove alone is mixed with fake, like non-animal, and then very, and then little bit of leather, that also tells you that that's not going to be that warm either. The exceptions there is like for some of the heavy winter gloves. Yes, they'll be textile sometimes because then they're lofted inside. So there'll be like lots of um, fake down feathers or could be um, like fake down synthetics. Usually it's synthetic stuff like Primal Loft, like Thin Slit. And that's when, yes, gloves can be warmer. But when there's there's no lining, there's nothing in here. This is just, uh, just the fake leather and some other real leather in here. So there's no warmth in here. There's no insulation. And that's how you can tell that this mix of fake leather and real leather is probably going to be great in the heat, but be pretty miserable um, once the winter weather comes in. So contrast is this older gauntlet, this gauntlet glove. So if we look at this, this is an older racer glove that I've had forever. Um, this is all real leather. So this is kangaroo where it's brown and then a cow for the rest of it. There's like a couple patches where there's like a fake leather strip here, but it's not like this where there's just synthetic everywhere and spandex. That's a bad sign when there's spandex, right? I mean, the fact that you can wear spandex and sweat in it and be comfortable, that tells you. Um, that's how you know like something like this. There's just no places for air to come in at all. There are no, I have got no holes. Wait, do I have two? Nope. Nothing between the fingers. This is also a waterproof glove. So it's average warm. It's not like a winter warm, but you know, for like 50 to five degrees or something, it's, it's fine. Um, I used to live in these gloves. Like when I was first started riding, they're like the most, the first pair of expensive gloves I bought and I just love them. Um, the other thing with gloves that you want to look at or you you may or may not notice is so oh yeah so see how my pointer finger it has this nice little stretchy thing right here okay the more of those you have the more comfort you're going to have when you go to squeeze your hand grip and just maybe millimeters of length because this length is shorter than that one we're talking millimeter, you know, it could, it'll be like, it'll be like just enough room. So for those of you who have long nails or really long fingers, you'll know that you'll notice that when you close your hand, then inside the seams won't start to feel like they're pushing back at you. Because when you start to close your fingers, you don't want the seams to feel like they're fighting you as you're closing. You want it to feel like, oh, the glove's making me or it's letting me fold my fingers and I don't have to like make it work. If you have finger length issues and you're looking at gloves, always look for those. And the more they have, the longer they're going to be. Just, you know, we're, again, we're talking like just enough length so that when you do this, it's going to be more comfortable is really the big difference. Because when your hands are really long, your fingers are longer, then it can be really annoying, right? And then you just get really uncomfortable. So that's how you're going to gain comfort. Um, as far as protections... If you notice on this summer glove, the more pieces, so I know how, you know, oh, it's so ugly and it just doesn't look very good. And well, these pieces, they're not there for fashion, right? They're there to slide. So if your hand hits the ground or a hard, you know, a surface like this, well, these little sliders are supposed to be here. So you don't abrade the fingers. So imagine that all these fingers were just this fake fabric. And imagine like your hand um, impacting the ground or hitting an object. Like how, how much more protection do you have from a glove like this that has reinforced fingers? Oh, and look at how many, um, look at how many uh, stretchy points this has. Look, look, one, 
two, three, um, not on this finger. Oh, look at the thumb. The thumb's a big one. Four. Look at that big one right there. My husband is long-ish, like average to long, but I think he was remarking how his thumbs, he needed a little more room because when you do this, right, you know, you get more room. Um, so that right there. So look for that. These stretch points, that's how you get the better length. And then the, and then the reverse is true for those of us who have shorter fingers. You may want a little bit less, but also it can be brand dependent. So this isn't like something that, oh, my glasses are uneven. Um, you know, this isn't like a end all be all and like every glove is like that. These are just some little things that you can just kind of tell when you're looking at the gloves. Um, and of course the, the knuckles and anytime you have like this separation too, you know, that it's going to offer you a little more movement for like a more aggressive position. So for those of you who cruise and maybe ride something more upright, like a, maybe like a, a spider or a cruiser, then, you, you know, these this extra length is probably not a big deal or is not as necessary unless you have longer fingers. So those are kind of some of the things that you can um, kind of look at when you're looking at gloves to determine whether, you know, is it going to be warm enough for me? Is this a winter glove? Of course, taking into consideration the description, whether the glove says it's waterproof or not. And certainly you're going to want to read those descriptions to see what kind of warmth is in there, what materials are in there to make sure that your hand is warm. And if you don't see anything that says like fleece or polar tech or thinsulate or other name brand fabrics um, to tell you about warmth, then it probably isn't a very warm glove. So you're going to want to um, definitely kind of make sure that any warm gloves that you need have that kind of description in them. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about boots. Um, oh, I say I have a couple behind me. Here we go. Okay. So, now this is just a sporty example. And it, you know, this is a little bit too obvious because it looks so sporty and you can kind of look at it and go, okay, these are really sporty and they have a ton of protection, you know, they're for the racetrack. You can kind of gleam that, um, for, for those of you who do ride sporty bikes, but you're like, I really don't, I don't, I'm not ready for this kind of boot, but I do want something that's sporty ish. I just don't want it like this level. Then a couple of things you may look for are going to be, um, little things like how much stuff is here, how much stretchy stuff lives here. And in a boot like this, it's like ultimate stretchy. See how my boot can like flex forward like that. You can't, it's a, hard, a little harder to do that um, in, in some of the sporty boots. But I wish, wish I had like an adventure kind of boot so I could show you, I wanted to show you some other features. But um, for sporty things, generally, you know, the more bits, these sliders here, the sliders here, um, the sliders in the back, the more bits, then you know like this is going to be an ultimate boot. Um, you know, it's just, it's just going to offer like so much stuff for my feet. Um, I wanted to show you, uh, just like a very easy, like a dual sport boot called the drifter and dual sporting is really popular right now. So I thought this was like a relevant thing to look at. So if you just type in TCX, that's T as in Tom, C as in Charlie, XX Ray, Drifter, like Driftwood, D-R-I-F-T-E-R. That's actually my favorite boot to recommend for women too because they go all the way down to a Euro 36, which is like a six and a half. That's my size-ish, 37. Um, and they're great dual sport boots. They're not like super hardcore single track, but they're great when you're like just dabbling in the woods or you're doing some like 70, 30, 80, 20. Um, so looking at, you know, riding footwear in general and just kind of the huge differences with casual stuff. And, and I'll, maybe I'll, I'll pull up a sneaker for you too so you can kind of look at the casual side of the, the spectrum. But when you're looking at a riding boot like this, certainly all these buckles tell you, wow, this is a this is a serious boot. But it's not as serious as a boot that has five buckles. So when you're looking at buckled boots, you're going to like count, again, count two to five. So if there's two buckles, uh, it's just like a 
It's a very light duty, like kind of wants to wants to be a dual sport boot, but isn't really. Versus, oh, three buckles. Now we're getting all the way up to my um, calf. Three to four. Okay, now we're really in some serious boot dual sport boot riding um, world, right? But we've seen you've seen boots online where there's like one or two buckles. It's and it's more like either inspired for style, but not actually pounding in the dirt. Um, the big tell with these is the pretty, <laughs> pretty brown leather, and then also the pretty stitching. Not to say that there aren't um, aggressive motocross boots that are stitched, but the combination of the two in this particular style, um, it's the distressed pretty leather. It's not designed for someone standing on their pegs like eight hours or aggressively in the woods, maybe for like five minutes, but not all day. Um, So, you know, in the dual sport world, that's a nice way to just kind of tell like how aggro is this boot and and ankle protection wise see it has none of the like plastic stuff that my boots had on the ankles then you also know it's not meant for that much rigidity and when you get off the bike when you're like maybe you're touring and you're maybe um riding through western pennsylvania and then you're gonna get off and like go see the pennsylvania grand canyon which is by the way really cute but i don't know where that name comes from um this is the kind of boot that gives you some comfort so you can maybe go hop around on a little trail but then you can go sightsee so that was just something i wanted to um, show you as far as like looking at dual sport boots um let's look at some like sneakers because i know that's really popular right now so i don't have riding sneakers because i don't really wear them so i'm gonna (laughs) pull up the name of the this tcx it's called tcx street ace tcx street ace it's really really popular there's like seven versions of it there's like there are four different women's ones there's three different men's ones they come in summer and they come in winter um here i'll pull up the i'll pull up the um just the regular street ace waterproof okay it comes in black and brown uh actually for men it comes in like black brown and gray i think in another color so i'll pull up the ladies one we'll look at the black ones um you know, with sneakers, there's you know a little bit. There's a lot less to consider and to look at because the functionality they provide. There's not a, a lot, right? So when we're looking at a sneaker like this, it's mostly so that you will not wear your wonderful, um, pretty sneakers when you go riding. It's so that you can know that you're wearing something better than your casual sneakers, but that aren't a serious boot because you just want to go from like here across town, like three to five miles. You know, you're not doing like a long distance ride across country. You're not doing a 40 mile commute. You're just looking for something to do. Maybe errands, maybe you ride a scooter and you really just need something quick around town and you're doing mostly city speed riding. There's not a lot going on on these things. It's just laces and shoe. And that's pretty much all you're getting. You're going to want to read the product description to see what kind of ankle protection you're going to get um, and if they're CE certified. And that's how you're going to determine whether a shoe is really strong enough um, to withstand the weight of, say, your motorcycle on your feet. So I recommend looking at CE certified shoes and something that mentions some kind of ankle reinforcement. This one says it's malleolus area. Um, it's actually inner and outer. And these I just know for because they're actually firm. So the ankle protectors on these are actually firm. They're not just foam padding. So um, and, and that they're CE certified, you know that they have a crush rating and they have some support that way. So sneakers are a little bit easier. There's not a lot to gleam off of there in that sense. Um, okay. Let's go back. Let's go back to jacket. So I have my mesh jacket here. So let's look at that. Okay. All right. So now let's look at something that's like totally opposite of um, opposite of the Andy's jacket we looked at before. So if we're looking at a summery coat like this. How do we know it's going to be great in the summertime? Like, what are we looking at? Well, the first thing we're looking at is that wonderful mesh again. We're looking for like, 
how many, how much of this jacket is covered in big, what I call them screen doors, that's my nickname for mesh panels, is how much of the jacket is covered in screen doors. And mine has like two big ones right here. Um, here, all the way down the front, and then on this side. So those are two big doors right there. And then my sleeves also have them too, but only on the inside. So this whole sleeve, this black fabric you see down the inside, um, just to halfway across the arm is all, this is mesh. Yep. So from my armpit all the way down the inside, but there's not really anything on the arms. So when you're looking at anything summery like this, you're always going to want to avoid any mesh on the outside, especially where you might slide or crack. So high-risk areas are shoulders and then elbows. So if your elbows are covered in mesh, that's a bad sign. It's a really bad sign. And it means it's probably not going to work very well and it's probably going to fall apart pretty quickly. Um, and we're talking specifically about motorcycle jackets. We're not talking about casual clothes either. So that's why the mesh is in these areas. Now, for this jacket, I don't wear this on the freeway. This is not a jacket I bought so that I could do a lot of long-distance riding because I prefer wearing leather even in the summertime because I have meshed leather. So my leathers have mesh in the body and then they have leather on the sleeves, so at least I get more air than a regular leather. But this one has mesh here on the on the stomach. So for me, that's a concern because if I'm on the highway, like I don't want to... If I'm doing highway riding, I don't want to slide on my stomach or end up using this part so for city riding, it's just a lot, um, a lot less risk in that regard. Um, and then the back, again, you're counting the screen doors. How much is there? And this is a big one. It goes all the way down the back Yep, from here. But this is actually solid. This is stretch. So they didn't put like maximum mesh because the sides don't have it. It's really just the center and the back. And, and I think they do that for a little bit more protection too um, because you're kind of waste, your stomach. Those can be slide zones. So you always want to evaluate um, your, your risk zone. So if you see a jacket, anything summery like that, and you're wondering, well, how much is it really going to protect me? Where are they putting the mesh? Are they putting it in places I probably, I just need my sweat to leave, like my armpits or like, you know, because you're not going to slide like on your armpits. Or is it mesh on my elbows where like, I might use this. Then that's probably not a really good sign and they're going to, they're compromising protection for you to get more airflow and that's where you have to decide, well, how much is good enough for me? Do I really need that much? Do I need a little bit? Like what am I... You know, what am I what am I looking at? So that's a nice way to try to figure out like what um, you know, what could a summary jacket tell me? Um, the last thing I wanted to share with you was helmets. So let me grab my showy. Okay, last thing and from what I remember Kyle I think you have one too right because I remember you asked me about it oh Vicky that's the arc air Vicky asks what jacket that is and um, I'm sorry I forgot to say what it is I bought that last summer it's the Revit arc air and the arc air is also available for men as well so with helmets I say very you're gonna have very similar things you might evaluate with a helmet um, in terms of how comfortable am I going to be in this helmet uh, in the summertime? Is this helmet designed for the riding that I do? How can I tell this? Um, one big tell with especially a sportier helmets besides the like look of the sporty helmet is the angle. And I think I touched on this in the last one is that if you ride a sporty bike like say you ride a CBR 
you have to angle your head down at some point. And maybe unless you're Michael Jordan, because you're like eight feet tall and you don't have to do that, which is great. But say you're a little person like me and you're on a CBR or you're on something like a leader bike. Well, you're going to have to bring your head down. And when you bring your head down, look what happens to the window. Yeah. So your view just went from up here, like on your cruiser to like down here. So now I have to see things differently. So then you're always looking for like, okay, where is that degree? So if you put this on a table, like straight, see how the window is still peaked up. So you're trying to also look at that as well. Like, well, if it's angled up really high, how's that going to, how comfortable, how much am I going to see on my cruiser? Um, and then the opposite is true. Um, well, what if I ride a sport bike, you know, but when I put my helmet on and I, and I try to look down there, I can't see anything. That's also something that you're going to want to, um, try to, try to look at. Oh, I've lost, sorry. The other thing I forgot to mention was venting. Now venting is a little tricky because of course the more places you have, so I'm going to count one, two, sorry to do backwards, three, four places, actually five if I count my facial, five places that air can come in, that's that's a lot. Because if you look at a lot of helmets, there's only like two or three. And so again, counting how many places, well, if there's only two places in the front for air to come in, then you know that's not really going to be a great helmet when it's really hot. The exceptions to those are higher end helmets like the Shoei GT Air because it has big channel vents on top. So inside the helmet, there's like tunnels where air can be pushed through. And that's very different from a $200 helmet where it's just vertical holes relying on the ventilation points. So um, that's, that's a little bit harder, but you can still kind of gauge it by counting like how many vent points are coming in, how many vent points in the back. So if you go from a helmet that has like six in the front and then you look at another helmet that's like two, well, then that gives you a big, that's a huge sign. Okay, only two points. Then I know this helmet's not going to vent as much as the one that had six or five over it. But ventilation is kind of like its own thing with helmets. I might do a helmet one maybe next, I don't know, a couple of weeks. We'll do like a helmet specific episode and have helmet questions. Um all right, so before I log off, I just want to see if anyone has any questions, if there's something that I should have covered that I didn't. This was kind of a last minute one because I thought of some um some things. Oh, the one thing I forgot to show you. So with the jacket, the one thing that I forgot to show you is stretch. So when you are trying to also look at, well, how is this, is this something that can maybe fit me? Like, how do I, how can I look at some things to see like what's going to work? Stretch is a huge thing. So here on my jacket, this little panel is a little bit of a stretchy panel. It's not spandex necessarily, but it has a little give to it. So then if I do, when I bring my arms forward, then I get a little bit of space there. But then on um, uh, on jackets like um, the Alpine Stars, the ladies, the Andes I showed you that had the big panels on the back, that's a huge sign. You know that, oh, okay, my, I'm going to have more room for my shoulders if there's a stretchy panel back there. Um, the same would go for ladies' jackets, especially on the hips here. Um, this one doesn't really have a stretchy panel. It just has Velcro. So you can adjust how tight it is. So there's a little adjustment, but there isn't like a zipper. Like, you know, some ladies jackets has a zipper here, like down the side so you can open the hips more. This doesn't have that. Um, and there are a couple men's jackets, like the Clam Latitude has that, but it's not a common feature on men's jackets, mostly on ladies jackets. So stretch, look for all the places where a jacket could have stretch and um, it's shoulders, it could be elbows, like the back of the elbows. Like, oh, see, mine has one right here. And that's a really big sign that it's a sport jacket because sport jackets need, you have to bring your elbows forward and you have to move your shoulders around a little bit more in a weird way that's totally not normal to someone upright. So there's always stretch here and the stretchiness is how you get a little more comfort um, that way. And then the other thing that you'll notice is that... Um, particularly with like a little bit sportier jacket too, you'll see like the chest almost looks like it's really small. 
in the front. And that's kind of a sign too that it's a sporty coat because if you lean forward, then you need it to be a little bit tighter in the front. Um, the collars again, the, the like the height of the collar. This is a really short summary collar, but if there's if you see a jacket that doesn't have one, like it's just no button and it's just open like that, that's a really good sign too that it's either a really good summer coat or it's particularly designed for you to sit forward. So when the collars are higher. Um, that's usually typical for like sitting up on your cruiser or sitting up on your adventure bike. So that's another way to um, kind of determine like what styling that that might be for as well. So that was, I think, kind of the last thing I wanted to throw out there. I went over gloves, I went over uh, some shoes, did some jackets. I think what other, and I looked at a helmet. Um, anything else I didn't look at? Oh, uh, another thing is, last thing I'll give you is liners. So when you're looking at a jacket or pant, and this goes for anything. So if you just go on the Revzilla and you just like put in something like, um, the Outback 3, that's a really good example. The Outback 3 for men and women have the same arrangement. They have, it's an outer jacket with two liners inside that come out. When you have, the more layering you have, then you know the more seasonality you'll probably have, right? Um, especially if they're full sleeve liners. But if it's like a vest, a light vest, and then a rain liner, then you know it's not something that's going to work for like Minnesota to Florida, right? And with linering, what you can also kind of determine too is the more liners it has, the bigger the fit will be when you take the liners out. So for this Outback with all the liners, it's going to be really, really snug, like a little bit snugger than you want it to be. And then when everything comes out, wow, you're going to have this like totally different outfit. Then you also know you have, you're going to have some variability with um, fitment and sizing. And so you could, you could go about it in a way that's where, okay, well, I'd like that the Outback has a rain liner and a thermal liner, am I ever going to wear all of them together? Oh, probably maybe like 5% of the time. Like the one time I'm going to go out in a Minnesota winter morning. Okay. Well, I could probably bear it for that one time. But if that's not in your plan, then you know, well, I should just try this on with the one warm one and then I'll try it on with the thermal one and see. And I'm going to make sure I'm not wearing a heavy sweater. That's also how you can tell that something is going to have more size variability because if you buy something like this, like my mesh arc air jacket that has no liner in it, it's going to be a lot tighter than this Outback jacket because it has two layers and they have to make room for it, right? It would be like stupid if they kept the size tight like my mesh jacket and then, um, and then you're like, I can't but then you couldn't wear the liners in it. So then they open the fit a little bit so you can put the liners in there and then you know you have a little bit of range. So you want to be really conscious of that too. And to think about like what, you know, how's it going to work for me and what am I going to do with it? So that was kind of my last thing I wanted to add there. Um, Let's see, I don't see any questions. I see some feedback. I see some general feedback. Um, Thank you, Vicki. That's very kind of you. Um, Joe wants to know how to get less pink. Okay, I'm going to keep this really brief about pink, but pink sells, Joe. So you have to talk to your fellow female riders and say, hey, how, why, how much pink do you like? Because they other women love it. And I bet you there are women on this feed right now that do enjoy it. And I'm not a huge fan, but that's okay. But um, Joe, the other thing is you have to stick to the brands that aren't using color as the way as the way to sell you that jacket. And that's why I um, that's where big brands like Climb, Ruka, Revit, Dainese, they're not gonna try to sell you because it's pink. They're gonna give you hopefully three or four colors. One of them could be pink, but that's never going to be, you know, what they're trying to sell you first. They're just offering these other colorways. And those are the brands you're going to find with the most choices that are not pink. Um, oh, <laughs> Denise, my friend Denise, hi. Um, she's asking about dirt bike riding and what, what should she wear because she only has sport bike gear. 
yeah, you're going to need all new stuff. So when you're transitioning, if you're going to transition from sport bike life to dirt life, you're going to completely change direction and buy all new things. Um, You're going to need dirt bike boots. You're going to need different armor. You're going to need different clothes because you don't have to wear all the heavy clothes that you're used to wearing on the streets. You're going to wear all new stuff and we will get to that. I told Denise the other day, I'm like, the next, our next adventure needs to be dirt bikes. I don't know when, I don't know how I'm going to afford it, but that's, I've decided whenever the time is right and the money isn't tight, dirt bikes. I'm going to buy a dirt bike, get into dirt biking because it's just been on my list for too long. Um, next question. Oh, Sarah wants to know what my favorite brands are for helmets for safety and functionality. Um, I guess for protection, I like AGV. I like all the big names. I like HJC. I love Shoei and I love Arai and I love my bell. Um, I think protection wise, I love my Star because it has a really unique EPS to it um, and a totally different approach to managing different impact levels from low to high. And that's a huge controversial thing in the helmet world. Like, oh, but the helmet's rated for low impact versus high. And I love the bell because it kind of is trying to do all of it at once. Um, but really, I mean, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to say like which ones are the best because it's like motorcycles. There's there's no best. It's like, well, what's best for you, you know? But I'd say the big brands are my favorite. So HAC, Arai, um, Bell. You can never go wrong with the big brands. And also because the big brands, they've been around for so long that you know that they have the best choices and they have the most options. And you know that their quality too is a little higher. Um, I also appreciate Icon for the fun that they offer because nobody offers, I think, as much fun as Icon helmets do. And if I needed another helmet, I would totally buy an Air Flight. There's a really cool 80s graphic that they have, and I would just love to have it to have it, but I can't just drop $300 on the helmet just to have it. So um, that would be <laughs> right now on my wish list if I could have something. Well, and dirt bike helmet. Oh my God, dirt bike helmets are just so much fun. They're the most fun ever. They have the best colors and they're, they're like super cool. So that would be my answer for that one. All right, I don't think I have any other questions. Um, Well, I hope you guys have a great night. I hope you're doing well in quarantine. I am crazy busy. Have a really great night.